Can you have a team approach to preaching? What does that even look like? Stick around and we'll talk about that on today's episode of Here at Welcome to the Here at Home podcast, a podcast about the people here at McGregor, their stories, their ministry, and their love of Jesus. If you're joining us for the first time, my name is Mark Bricker, and I'm the host for the Here at Home podcast. And thank you so much for joining us. We'll be bringing you a fresh episode every other week, and we would love to have you be a part of our Here at Home podcast community. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, and that way you'll get each episode delivered straight into your podcast player. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with your friends. On today's Here at Home podcast, we will be discussing what a team approach to preaching and planning to preach looks like. And joining me today are two guests who are very involved in the preaching here at McGregor. First, welcome to the podcast, Russell Howard, our lead pastor. Welcome, Russell. Hey, Brother Mark. It's, it's, uh, it's good to be here. And also, welcome David Miller, pastor of membership, also part of the preaching team. Welcome, Mr. Miller. Thank you, Mark. I am happy to be here. Man, I am so glad to have both of you guys on here. We're going to have some fun, aren't we? I hope so. I think so. And by the way, David, does this bring back memories? It does bring back memories. Oh, the Mark and Miller thing. Yes. yes, yes. What, yes. what, a decade or so more? Yeah, or more. Oh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far, far away. away. <laughs> David and I, were we were trendsetters. I mean... I guess so, yeah. I don't know how many people were... In the podcast back in My 2008. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we had a handful of church members that listened, but yeah, yeah, the Mark and Miller show, we did 100 episodes. You're kidding. There were that many for yeah. real. Yeah. Because I would have told myself I, I caught them, you know, but there's no way I caught even half of a hundred. <laughs> no, so you didn't catch y'all, y'all yeah. jumped the shark about season two and yeah. I stopped watching. That that must be what happened. Yeah, it's some good <laughs> stuff. I'd like to maybe we need to pull out some of those old episodes. I think Jeff has them. All right. Well, back to our topic for today. We're talking about a team approach to preaching. But before we talk about what we do here at McGregor. Let's start with what many folks have seen as a model for preaching, where there's one man, Mm -hmm. senior pastor, who preaches roughly 50 Sundays a year. And that's the model that that I grew up under. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know you guys know this, but my dad is a pastor. In fact, still to this day, he's preaching most Sundays. Uh, But I watched that growing up where every Sunday my dad was preaching, every Sunday night he was preaching, every Wednesday night he was teaching. And I also saw the toll that it took on my dad over those years. And so we have, as a church, established something quite different than what many people have grown up under. What did you grow up under, Russell? Was it same, something similar? Same thing. Um, and, you know, as you, as you, not living in the house with it like you do with your dad, but I, uh, like I have a, a home pastor that I love a whole lot, but every five years he preached the Gospel of John, it was the same sermon. And, and so I think at some point, at some point, something in that model, at some point, something's going to cry uncle, either either an internal, uh, emotional, spiritual uh, stress point, right. or you're going to go, in order to avoid that, um, this year's Sunday mornings are next year's Wednesday nights. Um, <laughs> just, I mean, they're just, just, they're just not enough hours, you know? Yeah, that's a yeah. creative way to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you, David? Is that what you grew yeah, up? Yeah, exact same. I call it the Moses method. Um, you know, one guy goes up the mountain and brings the tablets back down. So, yeah, it's the yeah. same thing. All right, so we're seeing a trend, and it's not just our church, but we're seeing a trend. I think people are realizing, wait a minute, there 
might just be another way to do <laughs> yeah. this and allow people to maybe survive a little longer in ministry mm-hmm. is, is one benefit. Uh, when did you first become aware that, that this was even a possibility? Oh, wow. Um, th- that same thing. You, you, if you pay attention to the landscape of, of other churches, you begin to hear, well, they're, they're using a teaching team or uh, a sort of a, a precursor to that. You find a, a, a senior pastor who's in that model, but who's um, comfortable letting members of his team preach more frequently so that it's it's not like some big honking deal. It's it's maybe once a month or once a quarter. Somebody else is 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 doing the preaching, uh, and and I think that's a good thing. Um, not only for uh, for the 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 pulpit itself, but even for the for the guys on that team mm-hmm. personally. Not I know we're going to talk about preparations and processes yeah. and all sort of stuff, but I know that uh, you know as as for me and Gail, the fact that we get to come to church and be church members from from time to time is something that we, we treasure a lot, that I'm not, every time I roll onto the campus, it's not to put on a microphone and teach somebody. Right, uh, and I might come back to that in just a second. Dave, yeah. what about you? What are, you know, when did you first begin to see uh, well, teaching teams? You know, Mark, when we began to look at, when, in 2015, 2016, when we began to look at what kind of church we wanted to be, um, plurality of leadership was sort of this, principle that once you see it in the New Testament, it's hard to unsee. Mm-hmm. And and we started moving towards being an elder-led church and the implications of this. And one of the things I thought you did really well, brother, during the transition um, is that um, we, were, we, we got to experience that in the pulpit. Yeah. Right. Um, and so if you're going to have plurality in, 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 in terms of leaders um, and have a plurality of godly men that serve the church and leadership, elders, um, you m- might as well, for those that are gifted to teach the, the whole church, you might as well put that into play. And so uh, I hadn't seen it in a ton of other places, but um, I really did appreciate the fact that we were able to do that here. And, yeah. Yeah, and even 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 today, I think I think that demonstration of plurality, though mm-hmm. not not everyone on the teaching team has to be an elder. You know, right. not that long ago we added Brother Chad, and and he is not an elder. Um, the uh, and not every elder and has not every to... elders on the we have fifteen yeah. elders, right. and and the teaching team is not that big. Right. The uh, the practical demonstration of plurality for for many of our members for whom Sunday morning church life is is absolutely the heart of their church experience. The only place I would I would guess that they see plurality practically modeled mm-hmm. is on Sunday morning. Is on Sunday morning when right. there's not you know a, a predictable the guy, but and, there's and at member meetings too. Yeah, that's true. You have different elders, right. different sure, things. Sure. So. Russell, with with you, I know when and you brought up the transition, David. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, uh, you were not interested in no. the position no. at that time, senior pastor. Right. Um, but some things change, and I think part of what happened in our Constitution and this plurality is what brought you. Share a little bit about what you went yeah. through in that. Yeah, actually, you know, during the transition, um, when when in those in those early days of the transition, in spring and very early summer of 2015, and the conversation was about sort of an interim leadership role. During that time. Uh, I'd love to make it more spiritual than this, but it was it was a practical matter. Uh, I was willing to take on a, a, a piece of the preaching 
but I still had the whole executive pastor responsibility load really mm. kind of unmodified. And during a transition, that wasn't going to get any lighter. So I said, yeah, I can, I can do the preaching, but, but there are a lot of other guys who can preach, and they'll be doing their sharing. Y'all were both a part of that. Back then, it was honestly more taking turns. It wasn't mm -hmm. really very collaborative. It was you had your date. Mm -hmm. We were teaching through books even, even back then, but it was here's your date and your passage, and I can't wait to hear what you've got to say about it. And then for me, the, uh, the evolution of uh, where the church went in terms of, of plurality and not a, a Moses-modeled role, and, and that's a pre-distribution pre of responsibility Moses. Moses at its worst role. Yeah. Um, the, the sort of Old Testament prophetic model of leadership, which, by the way, and, and, and our, our, our audience can, can correct me on this if somebody has an example, I don't believe there is a single example in the New Testament of that leadership model in a New Testament church, other than Jesus right before he ascends in the first few verses of Acts. After that, um, overwhelmingly, leadership is spoken of as plurality everywhere. Um, I, I can't find the New Testament example of a church with the guy leading it. The, um, as, as our, uh, at the time in the transition, deacons, ministerial staff members, committee folks, uh, and then out of that came the Constitution revision. And out of that came a very different vision for, for so many things. But since you asked for the specific role of, of today lead pastor as opposed to then senior pastor. And Mark, it's a radically different role. It is yes. a radically, it doesn't have the CEO baggage. It doesn't have the do it alone baggage. It doesn't have the every decision has to end with that office baggage. And uh, I, I, I had been in my own journey, I had been through a, through a process as, as for those 15 and 16 largely, I had, I had occupied a, a, a elevated position of leadership here. But what I think I remember, and David, you were on the Constitution Revision Committee, I was not, but I think I remember the afternoon you delivered that section, like the Thursday before the mm -hmm. congregational meeting on Sunday. And um, it, it moved me emotionally to read what the lead pastor of position, position of McGregor was mm -hmm. going to be. And, and I remember just in the quietness of my office saying, Lord, if, if, if that's what you want me to do, that I can do. The mm -hmm. old senior pastor position, I'm going to tuck tail and run. But the, the new lead pastor position, if that's what you've got for me, and that's up to him. Uh, and I, I, the, I believe, rest and the rest is history. <laughs> the rest is hysteria. <laughs> David, you, uh, Russell just mentioned you were on that Constitution Revision Committee. What does our Constitution say specifically about the preaching responsibilities on Sunday morning? Well, the Constitution speaks to one of the jobs of the lead pastor, one of the responsibilities of the lead pastor is to develop other uh, brothers that can teach alongside him. Um, so there, so the, built into the heart of it is that, that there's, a, there's a discipling process, that, that, right. that he's not to do it alone and that he's to disciples others to be able to have opportunity to do it. Um, and so the, the, the heart behind the thinking of not just plurality in terms of governing, but plurality in terms of preaching is that we, we firmly believe that what people need to come to hear each and every Sunday is not their favorite personality, but they need to come to hear the Word of God. And right. that there's no difference 
uh, between a sermon that you preach, I preach, and Russell preaches, or anybody else, in terms of what they're hearing from the Word of God. Um, because they don't need, you know, to, to uh, glamming on to personalities is a dangerous thing in the Christian faith. Unless it's Jesus, which is unless, your point. Yeah, unless <laughs> it's Jesus, right? Um, but um, but God's people needs to hear need to hear God's word, uh, and and that enriches the heart. It feeds it feeds the congregation each and every week, and so that's what we have to sort of winnow away all the other stuff and make sure we we put that up on a pedestal, not a person, but the word itself. Absolutely, and um, the, the, there's a there's a, a wise counterbalancing principle embodied in the Constitution that while I do have as one of my duties discipling up that teaching team, it is the elder body that sets the preaching schedule, hmm. so that if I ever decide I've you know I've discipled so many guys who can preach so well I think I'll preach three times a year, <laughs> um, the the elders the elders can say you know rein, rein that in I think right. you are supposed to be involved pretty 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 visibly in the teaching and preaching ministry of the church. Sure, and there's a percentage, isn't there? That there's a percentage that we as elders we, set. Okay. Uh, we we came to a consensus on that, but it's not constitutional. Okay, the percentage is and and it varies from time to time as as. Um, well, just the ebb and flow of things. Right. But we, we try to stay pretty, pretty faithful to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So we've talked about the actual preaching and what that looks like, the schedule. Let's kind of peel back the layers or open the door and go inside the sermon prep meeting room. Okay. Uh, we have this meeting every Tuesday at 3 o'clock. Tuesdays at 3. And right now it's often a virtual room, so there's no door to open unless you have the <laughs> link to get into the Zoom meeting. <laughs> but still the same idea. So let's talk a little bit about, first of all, the... The evolution of that, like yeah. you said, we weren't even doing that initially. Why that? Why that started? And then I'm going to give both of you a chance to share uh, a little bit about what it's meant to you, and then I might have a few follow-up questions to go along with that. You want to? No, you take it, bro. The um, again in those those early days, 15 into 16, uh, the turn taking wasn't half bad because the the guys that were involved back back then, and there's some of the same people that are with us now, and some. Uh, Dan Allen was involved back then, and of course he's he's since moved on. Uh, ben Fleming, actually, mm -hmm. Ben I think preached the first Sunday of the Nehemiah series, the Wall that series, which right. became yeah. so strategic during mm -hmm. those transitional mm -hmm. days. Um, but the the turn taking wasn't wasn't half bad because everyone on that sort of proto team was committed to the Word of God, committed to the gospel. But as we as we rounded the corner into the uh, approach and then adoption of our of our new structure. It, it was a pretty highly held value, at least of mine, and I think of everyone's that 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 we could do we could do better than turn taking because in turn taking, you you do get to grow from each other's critique. As in Russell, I can't believe you said that. Please never say it again. Um, but what you don't get is the the value of sort of of, of meshing together ideas during the actual preparation. Yeah. And you know, all of us have got different, uh, different authors that we read, different uh, teachers and, and pastors that have influenced us up to this point in our, our journeys, different seminary professors that we, you know, did that, that, whole, that whole sort of backstory, that internal index that we draw from when we go, okay, I know that, um, you know, I think Chad uh, referenced uh, Doug Moo the Sunday that he preached on uh, James. Well, I had never read, I, I love Douglas Moo, but I had never read him on James. And I kicked myself, how can I have missed that, that, that Moo wrote an, auto, uh, an autograph on James? So 
we are on author side, and we, we, we get to the table and start talking through, and it's not just our background, it's our, it's our affinities, mm-hmm. different things that are important, passion. Um, you know, I, I tease Mark, you, I tease you all the time that I, um, I approach outlines almost with a, with a, with a word game mentality and that can get toxic really quickly. I love the, I love the rhyming and the alliteration and all that word game stuff. And, uh, I am thankful. First time you did it to me, it was, there was a internal moment in my flesh of who does he think he is? But (laughs) cause I've been outlining for a long time, but, but in, in reality, um, you know, it's you're, you're you're going. Yeah, but you know, you've got seven wonderfully rhyming and internally alliterated points, which are really only saying two things. Mm-hmm. And maybe it'll be easier for the congregation to follow if you kind of stripped out some of that. Uh, it's cool that you, you know, okay, you're a great crossword puzzle guy, but there's really only two points here. <laughs> and, and then David, um, you're, uh, you know, I tease you a lot about, and you tease about mm-hmm. your use of the word clarity, as mm-hmm. in, as in, there really does have to be some pretty clear. Central idea or set of central ideas. Well, I was never super passionate about that until um, until we just, you know, in the best possible way, we became sandpaper in each other's lives to go. All right, let me let me see if I can grind that out of you a little bit. And and um, it's 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 phenomenal. I absolutely know. I don't know that I'm I'm all that all that good, but I know I'm better than I was two years ago because of because of this process. Let me back up a little yeah. bit yeah. Uh, and kind of give an. Uh, a picture of what that meeting looks like. Okay. So they can see. So we come in, and let's say we are able to meet in person. We're sitting around a table. And what's the first thing we do, David? Well, the first thing we do is we review the previous Sunday's message. And so every every brother but the brother who preached gets to chime in on uh, the notes that they wrote down, the critiques, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, all together. So that's that's kind of the first piece of it. And I so appreciate you, David, on this because you take this perhaps even more serious than the, and any of the rest <laughs> of us. But it's so very helpful because it is tough at first to hear critique, but now we're at sure. where we trust one another, and we know that when you say something, you're doing it to help. And so that is a pretty important part of of this process to be able to learn from what we've just done. And, yeah, and there know, has while, to, while it's fresh, yeah. you know, and there has to be a high level of both humility and trust among the brothers that are doing this. And I, th- I believe we have that yeah. because I've said this before, but but critiquing somebody else's sermon is like critiquing somebody else's child. Mm. You you have to do that really, really <laughs> yeah, cautiously because, and because carefully. By the time you've delivered it, in our case, delivered it times three, mm-hmm. you yeah. really do own it. And and by the time you deliver it times three, if you thought any changes needed making, you'd have made them. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So so you walk in Tuesday at three, and, and, and while none of us are just mean, um, there, there is a, there's a kindness to the tone. But um, can you give me an example of something that maybe somebody has said? Oh, my brother, uh, I, I blank them uh, intentionally <laughs> after, I, after I write them down and learn from them. I, I um, you know, there have been times when the when the gospel has not been clear. Yeah, there have been times when, you know, you and, and, and one of my recurring characteristics uh, is the use of uh, vocabulary that nobody knows that, what that, you're talking that, about. Well, either yeah. theologically or okay, dumb silly example. I know dumb what you're silly, say. yeah, because you, it was you that called me on it. <laughs> Where I grew up in Northeast Florida, the most common 7-Eleven type store was a minute market. So in my internal vocabulary, all convenience stores, be they 7-Eleven, Wawa, or any racetrack, any of those are all generically 
minute markets. So I had used an illustration about robbing a minute market. And, and in the Tuesday meeting, you said, you do know that nobody but you has any idea what a minute market is. They may have gotten it from your context, but that's a weird term. Yeah. Um, and that was a gentle one. It's, it's worse if we use a theological buzz term or if we build an entire point around the assumption that everybody in the room is saved. And, and yeah. you know, we need to be reminded, be careful of that. And, yeah. you know, Carrie's not with us at, at this recording, but Carrie is fantastic at, at taking a broader view of who the congregation is and saying, mm-hmm. you know, there's somebody yes. in the room, there's somebody in the room that lost a child this week. And the, when you said that the way you said it, that has to have felt like a bomb going off in their lap. You really could have said that differently or more gently or something like that. So, yeah, we take the critique and sometimes it's a little wince-worthy. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And it can be also very encouraging. Oh, as of well. course. It, yeah. That is, to me, I want to hear the criticism, but it is such a blessing to be encouraged by, by, by the brothers in that room. And especially because those guys are in the arena. You know, the, the, guy that's, the guy that's critiquing you and encouraging you is up next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it, it, I think it helps with that atmosphere you spoke of. Oh, that, I do too. That, that there's not one guy who's preaching and a review committee that meets every week to, mm-hmm. to tear into him. It's, a, it's, it's okay, man. I, I appreciate that criticism. I can't wait to share with you about what you're going to do Sunday morning. A- <laughs> <laughs> so after that, David, what's next on the agenda? Then we move to uh, who's, who's up the, for the Sunday coming up. And, and by that Tuesday meeting, they have to have their outline pretty much done. Uh, in, in a form that's reviewable for everybody on paper. So we're looking at what they believe their outline is of the particular passage that they're preaching. And they sort of talk us through that, whoever's preaching, what talks us through that. And then we take pause moments where we chime in and say, well, brother, have you thought about this? Uh, consider this application. Uh, there's a great illustration about this. And, and what, p- particularly, what does, what does that important word in that verse actually mean because mm-hmm. that that can be a sort of a, a swing point in how that whole verse is understood so what do you understand mm-hmm. that particular word to mean all kinds of stuff like that i'm just throwing out examples yeah. but and, and gospel connections you know it's <laughs> and i want to say this real carefully because this this is one of those comments that can be misunderstood not every text in the word of god directly addresses the gospel proper right but Every text in the Word of God, rightly understood, um, has, has, has a relationship to the gospel. And so to, to find and articulate that legitimate relationship so that we see to it that, that, that the gospel, in a way that makes sense, not just a, well, I finished my message now, let me tack on an obligatory gospel presentation, mm-hmm. but that we are able to weave the God. And, and sometimes, <laughs> frequently, uh, we see it better as we ask each other where we see it, and 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 rather than I think I see it here, does that make sense? It becomes even that a part of the a part of the. Well, like when we were preaching through Judges, yeah, you've got you've got you've got an Old Testament book, and you've got a series of these judgments, and you've got kings, and you've just got a lot of depravity of humanity in, in there's, throughout. There's no good guys in that exactly. Book. So so you're having to ask yourself, okay, well, how do we how do we approach the or get to a point where the gospel becomes clearer in this passage and judges that we're preaching and you you, you begin to think okay well w- what is in contrast to the depravity of human beings because again the gospel is multifaceted god uh, I'm gonna god pull, man christ response i'm going to pull a bricker on you because okay. I, I think i think you even said it early in our study of judges you you said it way more simply than that 
every one of these guys needs a savior. <laughs> Gideon, yes. Gideon is not a savior. Gideon's a guy who needs a savior. Yeah. Samson is not a savior. Samson's a guy who needs a savior. And when you put that lens in, mm-hmm. the gospel pops out of judges. Yep. And, and, and I would never, I would never have seen that. I've taught Gideon as a hero to teach Gideon as a hero. What you have to do is teach the front half of his life and ignore the back half. Yep. Yeah. All right. So in that part where we review our outline, how many of you have, uh, pretty much tore up your outline after that meeting and started over. Yeah, never never completely started over, but I have pitched up to 75% of what I had yeah. from time to time, yeah. yeah. Know it's happened Absolutely. to me at least once where it's, yeah, and even recently, Russell, I think we, uh, you yeah. had a lot of reworking yeah. on, uh, on uh, an outline it of was, yours. It was um, uh, what I handed uh, Connie, my admin, to go, go forward through the process of getting it ready to go to the webpage and stuff was definitely version two. Yeah. Uh, version one was in our Tuesday afternoon meeting, and it and it got some work. And we're not trying to push Saul's armor on each other because no. that's that's an important piece of this. But we're saying, brother, have you thought about this? Have you because again, when when you preach, Mark, it it has to be you. It right. can't be Russell or Carrie or anybody else. It has to be you. So, but um, you know the. The importance, plurality, and wisdom is something the Proverbs talks about a lot. All over the place, <laughs> and so uh, that's what we're that's what we're trying and, to go and for. And to that point, even even that recent outline that, that got pretty well dressed down and, and re- reassembled. The, the the actual process of that, we were in a Zoom setting, and and I had my 1.0 printed out, and I'm frantically, as you guys say, well, what about what what about? I'm I'm fiddling and I'm restructuring and I'm changing words, and but I'm doing it. Yeah, it's it's exactly. very much. Still, oh, yeah. Russell engaged in his outline with the wisdom of, of all you guys speaking into it so that eventually I'm able to say, all right, uh, man, have I ever heard you guys, let's try it like this, see if this makes better sense. And and watching for you guys to say, yeah, I think that that may be a better version of what you came in here, you know, 35, 40 minutes ago. How has this process made you a better preacher? Uh, wow. Where do you start? All right. I'm going to be simplistic again. A teacher of God's word has to be a student of God's word, mm-hmm. and without collectively flattering us, none of us need that. Um, we're all competent teachers, which means when we get together to work on something, we're teaching one another. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you know, I had a just well, I always said just recently, but it's constantly. I've got pastors. And, and I am being shepherded um, by guys. And, and, the, and the sermon preparation process is part of that. Life is that. And the, um, again, it's an important ramification of plurality. So it's made, it's made me a better student of God's Word. Uh, and that inevitably will make me a better teacher of God's Word because I, I come to church to learn God's Word. I have, I have things being poured in, not just constantly being poured out. Right. By men that I love, not just books that I read or videos that I watch. Yeah, and I, I would I would add too. It, it. I think Chad said this the other day when we were reviewing him, his first sermon. Uh, he 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 articulated something that I said a big amen to, but I had never really thought about it uh, because I've been in this process for so long, so much longer than he has. But he said he said. I didn't realize it, but when I got up there to actually preach, because we had been together on Tuesday and and worked through the outline and the passage together, 
I felt more confident. Mm-hmm. Um, and and th- there, there's a real beauty in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you have had to, when Carrie got sick on a, on a weekend, you have had to step in I, late. I got the phone call on Saturday morning that he was not going to be available Sunday morning. And I was actually, I was in a cabin in Gatlinburg, Tennessee when I got that call. Right. And thankfully, the outline had come through this process, right. so I had seen the outline. And, you, were and, already, and, you were halfway there. Uh, yeah, and it was, and it was, it was a, it was a carry outline to be sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the it it wasn't new. It wasn't like okay, let me start cold and yep. hope I can be coherent. In exactly. Twenty four hours. Exactly. And the same thing happened when you got Corona. Yeah. Now, on a Tuesday morning, I find you out. You found out. Oh, I'm preaching this mm-hmm. Sunday, not Russell, because Russell's going to be in quarantine for a while. But you were a part of the Zoom call. Yeah. That we did, and so we walked through your outline that you had already worked on, and that didn't that didn't land as my outline, but it it. It, that that was such a helpful time mm. because I'm listening to other brothers dive into a passage that I had just read like 30 <laughs> minutes ago, and I'm you know my head's spinning, and y'all just patiently and calmly walk me through it, and and out of that I was able to to be ready for Sunday. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's a blessing all the way around. A lot of benefits mm-hmm. to uh, to doing this. Th- that's the two main parts. We also do a little bit uh, as well on on the service. Specifically, we have a chance to talk about some of those things. Yeah, Ryan, who's not a part of our teaching team, uh, attends the meeting. And though there is another setting where he and the worship team work on things like, okay, uh, how many key changes and and uh, you know, the, the, the things that are down inside the music and worship part of the service that are a bit um, beyond what we would we would care be about. able to help with. Well, care about <laughs> deeply, but not be able to help with. You know, I don't want to, Ryan, we care, man. We care. Um, oh, we care. But Ryan, Ryan brings sort of the summation of that, sort of the, the, the top-down view of what's going to be going on in the worship uh, music part of the service mm-hmm. and brings it into the, uh, the, the preaching meeting and also takes from that meeting. You know, as we, as we say, okay, you've got the, you've got the, the sort of music block we're talking about the sermonic block now. Let's make certain all of that fits together smoothly. Um, the recent the recent Sunday, where the service ended with a call to prayer instead of a song, you know, we we would struggle to do that literally in the moment on Sunday morning. If God the Holy Spirit prompted and led, we would. But the 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 genesis of the discussion, sort of the can we do that? was in the Tuesday afternoon meeting Absolutely. where right. Ryan was present. And we said, all right, let's drop the last song. Let's, let's have a call to prayer as the service ending. Mm. Um, and, and, and the Tuesday meeting is where that sort of architectural discussion regarding the upcoming Sunday service. And that's why place. Ryan's in that meeting. Absolutely. And a very vital part oh, of that meeting. Oh, super contributor. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, all right. Any last words you'd like to say about this whole process from whether it's from the pulpit or in the planning process? That uh, any final words? I would just uh, I would encourage brothers that um, if they have elders or, or you know a plurality of leaders in their church and they're they're thinking about taking this approach, be be real diligent uh, to pray before you make this decision because now that we have made this decision. I would never go back. No, me and, and I would, I would, I would not want to be a part of a a, a church leadership team that didn't have this. Mm. Uh, I, I, you know, I'll 
want my family to grow up in a church where there's great preaching and the gospel is clear every single Sunday. So this is one of the ways that you protect that. Um, and so just it's it's one of those where you take the leap and you realize this is this is this is wonderful and we don't want to we don't want to go back. Yeah, and and I would I would just add a challenge to to anyone who's in a situation where they are sort of the guy and they're by themselves in that. Um, so, okay, if, if you believe that the center of how you are serving Jesus is in the preparation and delivery of sermons, and that's where you are most diligently and evidently offering your service to Jesus, shouldn't that be an area where you're discipling others as well? Mm-hmm. You're hogging the ball, so mm-hmm. to speak. If you, if you are gifted for that and diligent in that and a practitioner of that, should not that be an area where you are discipling others? And that discipleship, should show up publicly and have some of the benefits that we've talked about. Yeah. Um, so, well, thank you guys so much for joining me today and being a part of our Here at Home podcast. And this wraps up another episode of Here at Home. And I want to thank our listeners for being a part of our pro- podcast. And what a blessing it is to be able to share what God's doing here at home and to be encouraged together. And just a reminder to those of you listening at home, if you haven't subscribed yet, please take a moment to do that now. And while you're subscribing, you might want to check out our other podcast channels. Did you guys know we have other podcast channels? Uh, we have over. a podcast? Yeah. Head we on do. over to hereathomepodcast.com. Podcast.com. Hereathomepodcast.com. It has a nice rhythm. Yeah. Hereathomepodcast.com. That's spelled H-E-R-E, here at homepodcast.com. You can find out about our other podcast channels, David. I I actually know about them. Okay, well, play along, play along. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you back next time, back here at home.